don't stand in front of a mirror before a run and wonder what the road will think of your outfit. You don't have to listen to its jokes and pretend they're funny in order to run on it. It would not be easier to run if you dressed sexier. The road doesn't notice if you're not wearing lipstick, does not care how old you are. You do not feel uncomfortable because you make more money than the road. And you can call on the road whenever you feel like it, whether it's been a day or even a couple of hours since your last day. The only thing the road cares about is that you paid a visit once in a while. Nike. No games, just sports. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman. And welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from the movie What Women Want because I'm listening to everybody talking about all the stuff that's going on with Facebook. You know, and listening to all the, oh my God, uh, Cambridge uh, Analytica and, and uh, Facebook, they gave them access to 50 million profiles. And now they're putting on special, they put on special messages on Facebook to get into people's heads and make them think something different than what they wanted to think. And I'm thinking, hey, you know what? That's called advertising. Number one, if you're on Facebook, you don't, don't anything you put on Facebook is public. So I don't know why, uh, you know, hey, if you want your privacy, then you shouldn't have a Facebook account. And if, uh, and if you think that the, uh, that the advertising companies aren't using special, special uh, hypnotic little messages in their, in, their, in their commercials to try and get you to think different, uh, you got your head in the sand. You got your head in the sand. You know, uh, if you've seen that movie, What Women Want, you know, they're, they're, uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Helen Hunt are thinking, what is this lady running? They're trying to sell women's uh, running shoes. What is she thinking? Oh, she's thinking she's free and she doesn't have to, doesn't have to, to uh, look a certain way and she's just doing this and she's, oh man, you know, we're just getting inside a woman's mind. And you know what? And there goes the commercial. So anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the other stuff that's going on in this country. But I wanted to sneak that in, and I didn't have it in my in my outline, so I did it with the opening clip. And then, of course, we used some Brooks and Dunn, and only in America, only in America, do we get to talk out like this. Which you're gonna find out how 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 only in America it is in the second half when uh, when we talk to uh, our special guest this week, Katie Hopkins. But uh, before we go any further, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman. I'm the president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities out there, and you need some financing, Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone for one reason or another, like uh, you're stealing time from your boss, and uh, you don't want your neighbor to know your stuff, or uh, maybe you just don't want to talk to me, because I might ask you more questions, and you won't be able to finish it before the end of your 15-minute break. Go to WCCLoans.com. That's www.WCCLoans.com. Uh, you'll find all kinds of mortgage information there. And uh, click on the Loan Center. Click on Apply Now. Give me as much information as you want to give me. Tell me how much information you want back. 
you'll hear back from either myself or one of my able, talented teammates, uh, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Alex Rojas, uh, Aaron Fredericks, or uh, Oscar Trujillo. And uh, you tell us how, and we'll, uh, and when you talk to one of my teammates, you're talking to me too because we work together on all these loans. If you hear something you want repeated, you can hear the repeat of this show on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several uh, back show, uh, past shows, and you can uh, listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually subscribe for free. Go on there and uh, uh, have it download to your, uh, your, your phone or your computer, whatever device you listen to to uh, podcast on follow me on social media at ed hoffman is my uh, twitter uh, my twitter handle and uh follow the facebook the show on facebook facebook.com slash the main event ed hoffman and lastly if you want to leave some comments on the show i played uh, three or four of them last week if you want to uh, leave some comments on the show the listener hotline is 855-640-2092 855-640-2092 uh you get to hear a whole full dose of my opinion now I want to hear yours. So whether you uh, whether you hate me or love me, I want to hear about it. 855-640-2092. So once again, as I often do in the house with me in the studio, Mr. Scott McAfee, owner of Don's Bikes in uh, Redlands and Rialto. Scott, welcome back to the house. Ed, it's great to be in the house. So uh, let's talk about uh, all the all the dumb stuff. I mean, we have we <laughs> we uh, we have our interview with uh, Katie Hopkins coming up in part two. Yep. And uh, we apologize ahead of time when we recorded the record it. She was obviously on a cell phone, so there's a couple of areas where it gets kind of garbled. Um, but I think I think you're gonna get the gist of Katie, and she's awesome. Uh, we'll get her we'll get her again on the phone next time. We'll have her, uh, or maybe we'll have her come into the studio. That'd be we'll, good. We'll schedule a, a live event. But uh, there's some there's some funny stuff that we want to talk about that's going on this week. First of all, first and it's stuff that I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on because I just think it's trivial. And the first one being uh, Stormy Daniels. Uh, I think this is kind of stupid, but I felt like I should uh, at least say something about it. Because otherwise, some people are going to say, oh, I notice you're not talking about Stormy Daniels. Well, for some reason, we're all still talking about the porn star Stormy Daniels. Well, porn star, the fact that she's a porn star uh, should, uh, should say a lot. As you know, she's one of several women who describe having a sexual relationship with Donald Trump long before he ran for president. And yet... Stormy is the only one who is relentlessly pursuing legal action against the president with her attorney threatening to depose him as Paula Jones' attorney deposed Bill Clinton. Here she is on 60 Minutes describing a threat that she conveniently never reported to police. And in another similarity, it sounds suspiciously like the well-documented threats the Clintons gave to some of Bill, Bill uh, Clinton's sexual harassment and rape accusers. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter and a guy walked up on me and said to me, leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. You know, my question, my question is, why would Trump send someone to threaten her in 2011? He was not in politics yet. She wasn't filing a lawsuit or in the media. And she says she only had sex with him once. And she said that it was consensual. I think the only, to me, the only one who should have a, who should have any issues with this is Melania. And uh, that's between him and his wife. And quite frankly, 
I didn't hire him to be the pastor of my church and we didn't hire him to date our daughters. And, uh, that's my opinion. Karen McDougal, another woman Anderson Cooper interviewed, had an affair with him for months and she never said anyone threatened her. Hmm. You know, I, and I didn't watch this interview. I didn't deliberately didn't want to watch it. I mean, we haven't even talked about this before. Did you actually watch the interview? No, I did not watch the interview. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think we missed much. Um, look, obviously, as you said, she's a porn star, right? So, I mean, that's kind of like near the bottom of the barrel in terms of occupations, in my opinion. Um, so it's like, do we believe her? Do we not? I mean, look, we probably never will know. But I think if the left thought that this would be something that was going to finally for sure get rid of Trump, it's just not going to happen. I mean, nobody really cares. Nobody cares. And it's, it wasn't in the White House like uh, what uh, Bill Clinton did. And uh, he wasn't he wasn't accused of rape. Or uh, or any of those other things like Bill Clinton was, and she said, "Hey, it was consensual." So what are you what are you doing? You 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 allegedly got paid one hundred thirty thousand dollars to shut up, and now you're suing him to get out of that agreement. But in the meanwhile, you're not shutting up. So does it matter if you get out of it or not? You already did it. You already you already not you already stopped shutting up. Well, again, and we don't know exactly what happened, and we'll, it's kind of a he said, she said thing. Who who knows? But I will say this, whether it happened or not, let this be a lesson to guys who maybe want to have an affair, especially if you're somebody that's fairly prominent. Don't do it, because you'll be an idiot. I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know, Ed, I think if I'm going to have an affair with somebody, the last person I'm going to have an affair with is a porn star. God knows where she's been or what kind of disease oh, yeah, she's carrying. Yeah, what kind of disease you I mean, come on, that, that's just a stupid beyond stupid. But but I think also, if, if we learn anything from this, is that if you do something stupid like this, it, whether you're running for president or you're just a prominent person, or whether you're not a prominent person, it opens you up to a whole lot of misery and, and, and makes you vulnerable to blackmail and, and all sorts of bad things. So... It's like, look, it's just, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Yeah, know? there's, there's a, you know what I, th- I think about? It, there's no sex in the world worth what Donald Trump would be paying. We saw Donald Trump live uh, at a real estate and wealth expo back in 2008, 2008 or 2009, and part, of, and he was basically talking about his book called uh, "Think Big and Kick Ass," and one of the chapters is about divorce is a that marriage is a, is a contract. And he went on and on about Paul McCartney and uh, and how Paul McCartney gave up a $250 million to, uh, what was her name, uh, Heather Mills, his uh, second wife, and... Uh, and and what and how how bad a how bad a negotiator he must have been to give up two hundred fifty million dollars and he why didn't he get a prenup or why didn't he do this or why didn't he do that and uh, and you know what there's a it just makes him look stupid and uh, and I'm I wish he wouldn't have done it and but I really don't I really don't care. Right. I mean, it's it is it one of the most important things going on in the country now? No. Uh, will we be talking about this in a week? No. Um, and most people don't care. Yep, including us. But I figured we had to we had to mention it because of course because it's in the news. Kayla, what's the next thing in the news? The March for Our Lives. A bunch of uh, a bunch of kids and a whole bunch of adults highly organizes, well funded March for Our Lives happened in Washington D.C. last weekend, with smaller rallies happening all over the country: Sacramento, Los Angeles, everywhere you can see. There's young kids telling us how it's going to be. As predicted, this was a lot more about the. This was a lot. This was a lot more than the victims of Parkland school shooting marching for gun control. At the thir- at the thirty different uh, March for Our Lives events, coast to coast, Democrat activism organizations were on hand to get young people to register to vote. 
Hello, step right up and get registered to vote. You say you're not going to be 18 until after the election? Well, we'll just change your date of birth on here. Uh, although we don't know the total number of registrations from the march, a group called Headcount, which claims to be nonpartisan, reported it signed up 4,800 new voters during the March for Our Lives. I wonder what party they registered for. And that's a good question, Ed. I wonder if they leave it up to that person to decide or if it automatically just goes to like D. Well, I know uh, Don and I uh, were in New York City walking through. Uh, we we walked from uh, from uh, Ground Zero to Times Square. And uh, and while we're walking through the by the University of New York, the art college, um, there was a bunch of kids. Hey, would you like to register to vote? And it's all Democrats. I said, no, I have a brain. So uh, we just we walked right through there, and I can imagine that's what it was. Another organization that has absolutely nothing to do with gun control, Planned Parenthood, was also on hand at most of the marches. Even the Parkland shooting survivors did their part to make this more about voting than saving lives, further proving that Democrats aren't above exploiting kids to get what they want. Here's everyone's favorite activist teen, David Hogg, uh, emphasizing the midterm elections in his speech. First-time voters show up 18% of the time in midterm elections. Not anymore. Now, who here is going to vote in the 2018 election? If you listen real close, you can hear the people in power shaking. They've gotten used to being protective of their position, chewing safety the safety of inaction. Inaction is no longer safe. And to that we say, no more. This guy was so inspirational. I was just, I I personally am shaking in my boots. Did you get shivers up your leg, Ed? Yeah, no, 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 no not quite that. Didn't do that. Not All quite right. to that level. It's, ama- it's amazing uh, par- uh, when he, when David Hogg first came on. And, and I give the guy credit that he's trying to uh, do something and uh, speak out. But he made his little speech. He's reading it, and the first thing he did is hang a dollar five. Well, this is for Marco Rubio. This is how much he took for every life lost in Florida to guns. A dollar five. He must have taken donations from the NRA. Guess what? The NRA wants wants uh, people to have the right to bear arms, and uh, and they support background checks, and they support getting rid of bump stocks, and they support gun safety, and they do all that stuff. And but they don't support getting rid of the of the Second Amendment. And, uh, oh, but Marco Rubio took donations from those people. You, you know, what's what's really lame about this whole thing is, yeah, you want to blame Rubio, you want to blame the NRA. And, and it, look, this is obviously the latest issue that the left thinks we're going to convert a whole generation of voters over to our side on. We're going get to get them to vote Democrat. And, and yet they're bypassing the real issues of actually not only what happened um, and, and the failure of the FBI, the failure of, of that local law enforcement, the failure of the security guard who was there that could have maybe prevented this um, and, and blame it and everything except that. And, and also in terms terms of like what what would actually have prevented something like this from happening in the first place and and abolishing the NRA uh making the sale of AR15s illegal tomorrow none of that would have made any difference none of that is going to take guns out of the hands of bad guys all it will do will be either to prevent somebody like you and I from getting gun taking a gun away from you and I when maybe we're we're the first responder in some of those situations so it's just another sad, pathetic, you know, use of young minds that are being turned into political pawns, Ed. And I bring a, and I and I got two things that I want to add to this. Yeah. Number one, 
no one wants to talk about the uh, the uh, shooting in Maryland where the guy shot his girlfriend and shot one other kid. And before he could shoot anybody else, the uh, the officer the the officer at the school who was armed yep. engaged and shot him and killed the killed him before he could shoot anybody else. And guess what? A good guy with a gun killed a bad guy with a gun, and it went and it went no further. Uh, I know that the 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 shooter died, so that's not a tragedy. But his girlfriend, his his ex girlfriend that just broke up with him, uh, she ended up dying a couple days later in in the hospital. Um, I know I know there's that's not a good thing, but one dead instead of seventeen dead is is sure good. Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, there's no coverage of this ad. We didn't we didn't we didn't ban guns to stop it. All they did was put a good guy in a gun with her. And the second thing I want to say is make sure you listen to the to part two of this because when we're talking to Katie Katie Hopkins, she talks about our freedoms and our and our ability to protect ourselves and to and to uh, protect our right to live. And uh, and and the rights that we have in America versus the rights that they don't have in uh, in Britain and and in Europe and the rest of the world. So make sure you listen listen closely uh, on the in the second half for that because I thought that was I thought that was uh, it was moving. Yep, yeah, it was powerful. I mean, we take it for granted the fact we have a Second Amendment, and also we take for granted the fact we have a First Amendment, which they also don't have in the UK, as you'll as you'll find out. Um, it's pretty sad, and, and we take so much for granted in this country and. Obviously, the left wants to take all those things away, Ed. And obviously, by uh, that David Hogg and the rest of the kids that are that are marching because they're controlling this country now. We're taking it back. The people in in office are shaking in their boots. You know what, you eighteen year old kids, trust me. Get out there with your uh, with your John Travolta Saturday Night Fever poses that you can do on stage to tell everybody how cool you are in your in your dad's suit that he just gave you, so you could so you could be on TV. Um, Trust me, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, as you get older, you'll realize why you're... You, oh, yo, you know, if my parents were just smarter, they'd understand that I'm right. You know what? As you get older, you start to find out, hey, my parents eh, were not as dumb as I thought they were as we slowly, year by year, become our parents. <laughs> well, well, you know, what what we, what we our parents should be, hopefully. Uh, I don't want to say I became, became my parents because... <clears throat> my dad was everything I am not. So, uh, but my mom was a good mom and she, uh, but she just wasn't a man. So, uh, anyway, so, you know, you know the point I'm trying to make. Yep. So, uh, next, the uh, next thing that was on our, on our, uh, menu to, to sneak in on the, on the first half of the show was, uh, uh, the citizen on citizen, uh, question on the census for the first time in 50 years, United States Department of Commerce announced it will be adding a question about citizenship to the U.S. Census when the next census happens in 2020. This drew out an outcry from the Democrats who believe the question will deter immigrants in the country illegally from filling out the census, which could lead to less federal aid to areas with high populations of such immigrants. Oh, no! Amazing. Here's our, here's our state attorney general... Xavier Javier Becerra announcing that California will sue the administration for this. Given the way that this administration has attacked immigrants, you can understand why immigrant families would be afraid to fill out the census questionnaire. This latest move by the Trump administration to threaten California is not just a bad idea. It's against the law. 
Yeah, it's a, it's 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 just terrible. It's terrible that they're going to ask these things. You know what? Uh, I don't think the census is used as is sent to anybody, but just to find out what where everybody is, so they can figure out figure out federal aid. And I know no one wants to go without federal aid because, you know, we might have to pay our own bills, and especially in California where uh, we tax everybody into leaving. Um, I think I think it's I I just think it's a bunch of bunch of hooey. Well, you know, and the problem is, too, when I hear these commentators go on and on, they keep blending immigrants versus illegal aliens. There's a freaking difference between a legal immigrant or somebody that's supposed to be or somebody with a green card or whatever and somebody that just broke into this country. And it, guess what? Here's, here's a big news flash for you. If you're an illegal alien, you don't deserve any kind of you don't get any kind of representation anywhere from anybody i mean you're not entitled to that ed and if uh you know and they say if you're not a citizen there's a whole bunch of people here that are here legally that are that are here legally that aren't citizens so asking that asking that question i don't think is an insult i mean if if you're here illegally you should be you should be worried anyway well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, we have no idea how many people are in this country illegally. It's, it's I don't know who, 11 million on the low side, 30, 40 million on the high side. Yeah, it's been 11 million since like 1995. <laughs> right. I think there's a few more since then. So we have a major problem. And look, here's what it all boils down to. The Democrats want those votes because without those votes, they're going nowhere in the near foreseeable future, politically speaking. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, Michelle Malkin, Michelle Malkin made this comment. Mm. Uh, Only in America can get can you get sued for asking who's in America? makes sense exactly so so um so let's talk about uh what's coming up we got katie hopkins coming on we used up every every second of the second half on that we recorded a few minutes ago it's it's a great interview um i wish we could have had her for the whole hour yeah no she's amazing uh she's actually my favorite i gotta tell you in in terms of any of the political speakers and thinkers she's funny she's witty um she, every every word that comes out of her mouth is pretty provocative i mean she's just just an amazing person she's a fighter ed very uh very uh unsugarcoated and uh for those of you we didn't get a chance to uh, tell about her book her latest book is called rude you can get it on amazon and wherever books are sold it's already out um, the publisher's description comes with this warning. Readers be warned, Katie doesn't sugarcoat anything and neither does she hold back, making her as honest in her book as she is in real life. So you guys can get that on Amazon. It's uh, called Rude by Katie Hopkins. We're going to talk We're gonna talk to her in just a couple of minutes after we uh, finish up uh, five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials. What else can we say? We've got 30 seconds left. You know... Um, hey, we saw Travis Allen the other night. We did. Wasn't that fun? Yeah, we're going to have him on the radio again. Scott had him in uh, over Christmas time when I was out uh, and interviewed him, but it was kind of early. If you haven't had a chance to go on Join Travis Allen and sign the uh, sign the petition on there, JoinTravisAllen.com. He's running for governor of California. He's my pick. He's Scott's pick. Yep, he's the best and, hope we've got, folks. And he's got a uh, petition on there. If you want your city to opt out of the sanctuary state, do that. Hey, we're out of time for this uh, half of the main event. Stay tuned for part two after five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials. We'll be right back with our interview with Katie Hopkins. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about mortgages or real estate on the radio because I think you guys find it boring. But if you're in the if you're in the market for a new house, a refinance, or one of them reverse mortgage things that you don't really know how it works, 
Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. So as promised, Scott and I want to welcome guest Katie Hopkins to the show. Katie's a British-born Christian conservative who first entered public life on the British version of The Apprentice. And, uh, and has since gone on to become an award-winning documentary maker, columnist for the national, national newspapers in the, in the United Kingdom, as well as a radio talk show host and best-selling author. Uh, one of the things that I liked, her, uh, her, late, her, her new book that's coming out is called Rude, and the, uh, the publisher warns, Katie doesn't sugarcoat anything and neither does she hold back, making her as honest in her book as she is in life. And uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited about that from uh, what I've seen on on YouTube and on uh, Fox News. And we're excited to have her on this week. She appeared on Tucker Carlson tonight uh, to discuss an eye opening assignment trip to L.A. Skid Row, which we'll ask her about in a moment. Katie Hopkins, welcome to the main event. Oh, thank you very much indeed. That was far too flattering an introduction uh, for someone like me. That went on quite a long time as well. Well, you're, like, that's quite long. You're being you're being <laughs> modest. Yeah, well, no, I don't know. Most people call me like the biggest bitch in Britain, or I get what else do I get? I get the um, the British Ant Coulter or Ugly Ellen DeGeneres, which I think is pretty harsh. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I saw that. I saw your explanation for that. I just have short hair. I'm really not lesbian. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a lesbian. I just have short hair, and, and those are two different things. But I mean, either way, I don't mind what people think I am. At horse face, I get quite a lot too. Like, well, why the long face? Yeah. So here, here, here's my yeah. here's my first question. How did a British conservative like yourself get so interested in American politics? Oh, I think I'm drawn to America because you guys, you know, it is so welcoming here. You guys do have freedom that we don't have in the UK anymore. You know, in the UK, it is a very closed down state that we now live in. You'll have seen in the news, you know, we just rejected one of your Americans. Uh, an innocent girl, Brittany Pettibone, we rejected her at the border for future hate speech, as you said. And a guy's just been given a sentence for teaching his pug dog to do a kind of Heil Hitler Nazi salute. And so these are the sort of attitudes of the UK. I, I say that we no longer have freedom of speech in the UK. And I think that's why I'm drawn to America, because kind of my message over here is do not become like the UK. Don't fall like we've fallen. And I guess I guess that that uh, starts with uh, that starts the answer to my next question, which is, why should Americans care about British politics? Yeah, and you shouldn't. Like the only reason you should care about British politics, in the sense that there's a warning or a sort of a hazard warning as to what you don't want to become. And we have a very similar problem to you, or we share a similar problem in the sense that we have two countries in the UK. We have London, or Londonistan, as I call it, under our Muslim mayor, um, who I'm really fond of, you can tell. And then we have another place called the rest of the UK. So very similar to kind of New York and California versus rest of America. And the problem we have in the UK is that London speaks for all of us. So Sadiq Khan gets to say, we don't want Trump in the UK. He's not welcome here. We don't want him visiting. Whereas 20 million or so people like myself want Trump and look to America as a kind of source of leadership because we don't have any. We have really fallen in the UK to Islam. And there has been a complete takeover, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, when we talked back at CPAC, and I just want to go back a little bit, uh, obviously you worked mm -hmm. as a columnist for the Daily Mail, and I know you always took a lot of pride in the fact that your column was the most read, but you lost mm -hmm. that gig. What exactly happened there? 
Yeah, so my contract was up in, ooh, I don't know, September, October, but as early as August. Boss, who I got on well with because the column was the most read. So it did well for the paper, it did well for our advertisers and things. You know. um, my editor called me in and said, look, I can't renew you. Um, we've got three or four months to go, so we'll keep going. We'll keep doing the stories we could do, but I'm not allowed to renew you. So essentially, it, you know, it comes to a point where if you're a newspaper like Mail Online, like Daily Mail, where you rely on advertisers, and those advertisers can be put under pressure by groups like Hope Not Hate, um, then they have to get rid of some of the commentators that are seen as creating tension with advertisers or who could be lobbied at by the left. Um, and that's why you see a disappearance of people like myself and other commentators in the media because those commercial contracts are valuable and because people like me can be lobbied against because we're seen as right-wing or racist or hate or hate speakers or whatever. So, so it's no different than in uh, America. If you're a conservative, you're you're a racist, and, and anything that makes common sense is just uh, yeah. hate. Oh, it's it's perfectly. You know, the the parallels are exactly the same. And I think about others like Sean Hannity that I know. You know, the, there was a time not so long ago when the pressure, you know, Fox was under and Hannity was under due to people attacking his advertisers was extreme. And I know the Americans fought back. And I think that's something I say is a real difference between America and the UK is that you guys fight back and you're much better at fighting back. And I don't imagine for one moment, for example, that for American men, if it was found that their daughters were being abused by large gangs of Muslim men, I don't think American men or women actually would sit back and let that happen in the way that we appear to in the UK. We have guns and we'll use them. Precisely. Precisely right. And, and that's kind of, you know, I was doing a talk yesterday. And that's kind of one of the big messages I have about the Second Amendment as an outsider with no right to bear arms in the UK and having just come back from South Africa where they have to bear arms just to be able to get to the supermarket. You know, my view is what you don't realise really how important your freedoms are to you until you start to lose them. It's a bit like your eyesight or your hearing. You know, now that my eyes aren't as good as they were, I really miss it. And that's true of freedoms, I think. And you lose the freedom to speak like we have in the UK, then let's say they get rid of your Second Amendment, you lose the right to bear arms. How do you defend your right to life? And you know, that's the challenge, I think, people who are saying, get rid of the Second Amendment. Okay, how are you going to defend your right to life then at that point? Exactly. So, and speaking of which, so what kind of discrimination can you fill us on? Have you experienced or harassment? Have you experienced as a result of your political views? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, I guess it goes through kind of quite a big old range of things from um, fact-based and actual. So for a tweet that I wrote about uh, a nurse who I called an Ebola bomb because she came back from helping out when there was the Ebola outbreak in Africa and she came back to the UK with Ebola and didn't declare it at the border, I was threatened by the police with repatriation from my Christmas holiday in Australia because of that tweet. Um, I've been arrested by the Major Crime and Homicide Command for a column in a newspaper where I likened migrants to cockroaches. I was trying to uh, bring to life the sense of enduring, the enduring nature of cockroaches. But of course, uh, the head of the UN Human Rights uh, Organization said that I was um, inciting something close to Rwandan genocide. Um, and then other things too. So uh, there's a play, a state-sponsored play coming out in a month, April the 20th, um, and it's paid for by the government, and it's called The Assassination of Katie Hopkins. Oh my and gosh. I just wonder, 
mm, I just wonder about things like that because, of course, what would happen if we changed the name on the back end there? You know, what if I, what if we've changed it to Sadiq Khan? What do you think the the press would do about that? And then there was the actual uh, instance of two jihadis. Uh, they were dating, and as a wedding gift, she had asked for him to behead me, and she'd gone out and bought a model, a plastic dummy and a hunting knife for him to practice on as he had. Um, and so they were going to come and behead me. But actually, um, the police caught up with them and they are now inside and have been put away for, I think, four years each. So I guess those are the sorts of threats that as a woman who just, I think, speaks her mind, um, those are the sorts of threats I get. Wow. They got four years? I think they got four years. She got um, slightly more than him because she was the one that bought the knife. But um, I knew about it a couple of years before. They didn't tell me what was going on. But in the middle of the night, a team of men arrived from the um, from the, well, from the Met Police and they put uh, security alarms in my house, at the top of my house. And the idea was that when someone came to get me, I ran to the top of the house, shake the box this black box and the police would come, <laughs> which is an odd thing to happen when you're just in your home with your children as a regular mum. But I guess the attack was, um, you know, it was intended and it must have been real for all of those things to happen. Wow. Um, yeah, you, you, exactly. That, that that's kinda... like, wow. Yeah. Um, now, we talked a little bit, too, about obviously we do have Fox News over here. We do have talk radio. We're still outnumbered in terms of the liberal zone, most of the media over here, but we still have voices on the right. Is there no, no such Fox equivalent in the UK? Is there no conservative no. talk? Nothing. No, it's it's really upsetting, actually. And, and, and I know, that, you know, for a fact if we did have an outlet, it would do so brilliantly. Now, what we need to do is find ways of funding it that aren't reliant on commercial sponsors who can then be ambushed by Hope Not Hate and Soros' people. But when we look at the numbers, so on my Men Online column or my LBC radio show before that got uh, axed as well for the same reasons, um, you know, we have the most uh, listeners in a time slot, in that time slot. We were the number one performing commercial radio station. So I know that they're out there. I have a million followers on Twitter. You know, our stuff does really well, but we don't have any official outlet. We don't have a Tucker. And thank God for Tucker, really. Um, being on his show the other night, seeing Jordan Peterson on there with Mark Stein, you know, I felt like... I'm sitting with my kind of people. Then it is a bit like a refuge, in a way, America, for me in that regard, because we don't have that in the UK. Okay. Um, you know, recently, and you referenced this a moment ago, uh, Brittany Pettibone, who's an American, very well known on mm. YouTube, wanted to come to the country, and apparently with her boyfriend, he was going to deliver a speech. He was going to interview uh, Tommy Robinson, who's kind of an outspoken fellow Brit, uh, talking about his, the Islamization of his country. And they were detained for like three days by British mm. authorities for like, what, some trumped-up attempted terrorism nonsense. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. So Brittany Pettibone is an American citizen, as you rightly say. She has no track record or criminal record or any kind of violent history. I'm just making that clear. I'm not inferring, but you would think that by looking at her. She looks like my own daughter, for example. She's very lovely. Her boyfriend, an Austrian, also an activist, a good, a good guy, uh, Martin Stalner. They were detained, as you rightly say, two days in isolation, weren't allowed to see each other. And then uh, the charges against them, or rather they were told it was because of future speech, as yet unsaid, that might offend local communities. And by that, of course, what they mean is the Muslim population of England. Now, you know, Speaker's Corner, it's not just like turning up in, in someone's living room unannounced or standing in a private restaurant and, you know, mouthing off, which would be inappropriate. Speaker's Corner is there for that purpose. 
for history, you know, through history, it's been a place where ideas could be exchanged. And the speech was actually just a kind of uh, a speech about national identity. But yeah, so they were deported. And then a few, a couple of days later, maybe one day later, Lauren Southern, who's mm-hmm. a Canadian, yep. um, she was trying to get through Calais on a bus. And bear in mind, I've stood at Calais, at the port of Calais in France. I've stood and watched truckloads of migrants be waved through by customs and the port authorities without so much of a blink of an eye. Lauren Southern hauled off the bus, detained again, and then rejected and deported out of the country. And she's been given a lifetime ban um, and the charge against her, although we don't have actual Sharia law in the UK, is because she once did a provocative stand in the UK where she asked the question, is Allah gay? Um, and she meant it in a provocative sense, but in a she was challenging the narrative. And for that, she has been banned from the UK. And I, I find that deeply sinister. Right. And, and not only that, but but so we're, we're banning Americans and Lauren Southern is a Canadian, oh. but we're banning people oh. for something that they might say. And they're actually mm-hmm. letting it sounds like hundreds of jihadis who fought in the Middle East come back into the UK at the same time. Is this is it? And this sounds like oh. madness. Is this right? Is this true? No, it's absolutely true. You're, you're absolutely correct. You're spot on. And if we take that specific example for relevance, Lauren Southern, Calais, where I've watched truckloads of migrants break through uh, the border, uh, at that particular port, Calais, they let the jihadi through. Who And, and the jihadi, jihadi told them, yes, I've been with ISIS for three months. I've been learning to kill the infidel. And what did we do? We brought him into Britain. Because we felt sorry for him, because that's our national policy, we gave him a foster home, we gave him a school to work from, and we gave him an income. And what did he do in response for letting him through the border? He took a nail bomb, put it on the subway, and went to um, a carriage that was filled with school children. Unfortunately, um, it didn't actually explode in the way it should have done, otherwise it would have killed everybody on that subway line. And, that, and that's the madness of the country that I... I would say belong to, but I don't feel like that anymore. A country I used to know. Um, that you know, it's, it's very sad for me to say that. I, I love my country. You know, I'm not one of these people who talks the country down. I would fight for my country. I think I fight for my country now. But um, it is very. It's a, it is a madness. It's almost like a sickness we're suffering from, and we haven't yet gone to the doctor to get a cure. Amazing, amazing. It's almost like uh, I bet you Obama was a. Everybody in uh, in Britain yeah. was a big was a big fan of Obama. You know what, Brexit, when Brexit was happening and, you know, the 17.4 million of us who voted for Brexit knew what we wanted, like Trump supporters, knew that he was going to win. Uh, Obama, of course, he washed over um, and tells us, you know, you vote for Brexit, you lunatics, and you'll go to the back of the line. So it pleased me greatly that we just went ahead and did it anyway. I, I would put money on now. If there's a betting station open anywhere in the States, do put money on Obama being invited to that royal wedding in the evening reception and Trump will be snubbed because the royal family, the younger generation, especially with the arrival of Meghan Markle, sparkly pants, I call her, has gone very political. And I think that's unfortunate because the Queen has never said a political comment in her life. Sparkly pants. I like that. Hey, so Katie, you you visited LA Skid Row this week for the Rebel Media. Stories called Katie Hopkins on Skid Row, over 4,000 homeless, over 40,000 rats. Let's play a clip of you describing what you saw, then I have a follow-up question. I spent a couple days and nights on Skid Row. It is a place of vomit, where rats outnumber the residents by a thousand to one. This is a human health catastrophe waiting to happen. 
So, Katie, you told Tucker this week uh, that California better wake up or we're going to see a lot more skid rows popping up all over the state. Tell us what you meant by that. Yeah, I thought, well, two things, really. One, spending time on Skid Row because no one goes there, no one really looks. If we look away, we pretend it isn't there. Uh, two things. One, the thing that struck me uh, is it was very much like what I would imagine it to be the same as London in the 1600s. You know, if you read the narration of those times, the slippery cobbles, the human waste on the streets the splashing up of human waste as you walk by. That's precisely what happened to me, too. Uh, and I was vomited on for a period as well. But um, I, the slums in 1600s in London, just before the outbreak of the bubonic plague, that's exactly how I felt in Skid Row, because it was the fleas on the rats that caused that plague. And I swear there is a human kind of health hazard, a time bomb, waiting to go off this summer in the centre of downtown LA that no one wants to talk about, because the Democrats would rather talk about dreamers and sanctuary because it sounds more like a spa resort rather than talk about downtown LA. And the second thing is those numbers are booming, the rats and the people. And one of these days a democratic politician is going to wake up, a democrat rather, and find a row of tents outside his home or her home. And then maybe they'll realise we've got a bigger problem than just illegal immigrants coming into to America, that Skid Row isn't going away. My personal view is the military need to be sent in. These people need to be forcibly and physically moved into places of care because of their issues, their mental illness. And then that place needs to be, you know, completely cleaned. Just dump Clorox all over it. So you think you think uh, more more uh, more Skid Rows could pop up all over the state? Well, for sure. I mean, I took a walk out um, from the from downtown. I went out uh, to the sort of Mexican area. It was way out. It was like a good 40 minutes I was walking. And sure enough, there, just outside one of the storage facilities, a new row of tents. Uh, a certain, so there were more of a Mexican-Spanish grouping. Uh, some had bought their birds and had tied their birds in cages to the fencing on the highway. Another row of like 20, 25 tents right there. So you start seeing these little ones springing up, and you hear other people talk about them, that they start springing up, they clear them away, and, of course, they come right back. And I think that's what that Skid Row isn't going to just stay in Skid Row. People need to be aware it's coming to them, unless we get on top of the homeless problem in L.A. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, people have. I know I've seen it down in San Diego as well, and even in uh, Riverside and and Moreno Valley, and almost every every city. You take a wrong turn, wrong turn, and and there you start. Man, what are all these tents doing? What where are all these people coming from? It's it's absolutely true, and and I think you know tears. Tears and sympathy and cups of tea or cups of coffee here maybe uh, aren't going to cut it. You know, I feel sorry for these people with their mental illnesses and their drug addictions. I also watch them, talk to them and see them and see that they cannot help themselves. They cannot get to the missions to sort themselves out. They need to be physically and emotionally taken, housed and cared for. You know, shutting sanatoriums is fine, but you need to replace them with something that represents care for people who are so badly damaged they can't even, you know, take themselves to the bathroom. You know, that, that's what we're talking about in the heart of downtown L.A. You know, I know we, I want to cover like a lot of topics with you because our time is limited, but there's one topic I got to hit on with you, and that's this Telford grooming scandal that's been terribly underreported. And this is involving the rape of upwards of like a thousand young girls over 40 years by apparently Pakistani migrants. 
Um, it was this, not only did this happen, but it's been willfully covered up by the authorities. And apparently some girls were even murdered. This, this it's like beyond comprehension to me. I mean, for me as a parent with two, two young girls, if something like this happened to one of my daughters, first of all, I'd probably lose my mind. But secondly, I can tell you that the retribution would be swift. And, and, and what kind of society can, can actually do this, let their own children be victimized and cover this up? I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, we're, we're, I'm just aghast at how this, something like this could happen. But I like your comments on this. Yeah, and, and I've looked into it, you know, extensively. I've been working on it for years, really, now. And um, I'm having spoken on the radio show. I was really fortunate and, um, you know, so grateful that so many victims were prepared to speak to me because they knew I would just tell their story truthfully. But as is so often the case, so many of these girls are just like my daughter or your daughter. You know, you might want to imagine, I might want to imagine that they're girls and social services who've been rejected and are living in foster homes and are down and out and, you know, drunkards. You, you might want to make yourself feel more comfortable, but it's not. It is my daughter. And somehow they found a way. These guys, it's sophisticated. It's a network. They have a hook, a guy that works as the hook. Uh, he goes and gets them in with his car and his money and his whatever. Then they have someone who's the coordinator, who's the guy that coordinates the parties where they take these girls, lock them in rooms, and then the uncles come. And then they have um, a countrywide network coordinator who then ships these girls around the UK. So the idea that this is just, you know, Rotherham or just Telford, it's not. This is every city in the UK, and we're prevented from even talking about it. The BBC didn't even cover Telford particularly. And, for example, we have to use euphemisms. So 80%, I'm just looking at a headline, I just dragged it up actually. About a couple of years ago, I was talking about this. Um, I said that it was a majority Pakistani Muslim men raping our daughters. Um, and The Guardian, this is our left-wing newspaper that you'll know, Katie Hopkins accused of race hate by linking Pakistani men with sex abuse. I was taken into a police station and questioned under caution because I had accused... Um, Pakistani men have been involved and of course it's proven to be true, 80% of them are uh, but that's what they do, you see they just attack the, the person trying to highlight the issue and the men, the Pakistani grooming gang, we're not even allowed to say that they're Pakistani we have to call them Asian or the other day an Oxford gang, we have to call them Oxford men because we have to use euphemisms so we don't hurt the feelings of the men raping our daughters and we don't want to hurt their feelings at all so no, we wouldn't want them to get hurty feelings especially not rapists uh, let me let me ask you this: your uh, your book, Rude, that's uh, is it is oh. it out, it's out yet or it's or it's about to come out? Oh God, yeah, it's out. But like, don't read it. I tell you, you know, listeners, please don't read it. I'm, <laughs> I'm thoroughly ashamed. I'm, I spent yesterday at a book signing. This horrible long queue of people. I mean, I'm so grateful, and you know, I, I so appreciate all the support I get. I get so much support. The queue snaked out the hotel, and I was like, oh Jesus, don't read it. And I went through crossing out the chapters that are too rude. I just basically, I, I wrote this book, and I'm an oversharer anyway, as you can tell. I have no secrets anyway, but then I wrote this book, like, from 4 a.m. till 6 a.m. each day. I came down in the dark, you know, before your children get up in that little quiet bit. And I, I kind of talked to myself. And so I told myself, it was really therapeutic. I, I retold my life in a very, very, well, very much too much detail. And so what I'd say to people is, please don't read it. Read one chapter, read my epilepsy chapter, but don't read the rude bit. And I'm, I apologize. It, it is too rude. Oh, of course. that That's that's definitely not going to be something I would read. But I'm going oh, to buy it for my wife. You know, it's you call it a manual for the modern woman. And so I have to buy it for my wife. But what do you hope male re readers will take away? 
Yeah, look, I mean, a lot of men are reading it to get some lowdown and inside inside story on how women's minds really work because it's really blunt. And the idea of it, to be fair, is if you've got a new home to work that's a bit rubbish, you know, it's great. It will make you laugh. People laugh out loud on trains. People have to hide the book behind a magazine because they can't show other people on trains that they're reading my stuff. And so it's about it's making you laugh because my life has been more of a mess than yours will ever be. Mine's been more of a disaster. I've done worse things. And it basically is me telling my worst stories about myself. And, and so it, it makes people laugh, makes people cry a little bit. But, oh, I'm sorry about the noise in the background there. But it's, um, you know, it's one, of those, it's one of those things that it's just an open sharing of my life. And, and I feel guilty about how rude it is. But I think for women, it makes them laugh. Get the radio station. Well, I'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, happy to uh, to listen to it, and uh, we won't we won't take offense from your rudeness. Yeah, not. And uh, by the way, I find I found you quite charming and nice and friendly. I can't imagine you writing a book called Rude. Well, I know you, but actually, um, I, I think I think it was because when I was alone, I just I just had never told these stories before. You know, these are all the the most personal things in my life, so they're. There's stories about the part-time jobs I used to do. I used to be a security officer at, uh, at Disneyland, pulling pedophiles out of the Peter Pan maze. Um, it's stories about my disastrous first marriage, where I was married for less than a year, and also some of my politics. And it's also about my journey with epilepsy, where you know I got to a point where I had maybe two years to live with my fits as they were, and and now you know my fits have been cured. So, and a lot of people when they sent the books in, we did a signing. And what I noticed and what upset me was that um, they were a lot of books from women for other women. Um, and they were books where, where women were writing in to send messages about, you know, keep your head up, keep your chin up, keep powering forward. Like really strong messages for women recovering from either divorce or maybe a health issue or a challenge in life. And so in a way, Rude, you know, there is a there is a nice side to Rude, which is it's about making women feel better about themselves no matter what. Um, that that's really what I'm the joy of the book for me. It's made a few people either laugh or feel better. Well, Katie, we're at, we're out of time for uh, for this session. We we hope we can have you back again. Of course, it was great. You boys, stay out of trouble. All right. Well, enjoy your your rest of your uh, visit to our country and uh, keep uh, keep spreading the word. We'll spread the word about your book. Okay, that's all the time we have left for this episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me again this week. It always tons of fun. Hey, my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 0114-7747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603-K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.